today's guest is the creator, the co-writer, the executive producer, and the director of The Chosen. It's, I think it's the best TV show on there, uh, on, on, online, uh, on television. It is by far the best story of Jesus Christ I've seen in my lifetime because it's so incredibly different. And you see the story in a way you've not seen before. There is no shortage of hokey Jesus movies um, that somehow find a way to be too preachy or botch the greatest story ever told. Usually a PG version that completely skips over the violence that Christ endured or just the general living condition, just the white robes. I mean, I, I do believe it was dusty, at least. If you're Mel Gibson, maybe you miss the opposite reason and you show the brutality of it all, but it also kind of misses the kindness. The, the Chosen breaks both of these. It has a chance to because it's uh, episodic, has two years going on its third season now. It does something that no other depiction of Christ has ever done. It shows him laughing and smiling, joking, dancing. But what makes The Chosen so impressive is that it is a great piece of art in the same way that, I don't know, The Sopranos, uh, The Godfather is a good piece of art, kind of the opposite of those, but it's beautiful. It began with a short video on Facebook and then grew into the largest ever crowdfunding campaign for a media project. It aired online for free using a pay it forward model. An app for the chosen skyrocketed in popularity on both iOS and Android. And around that time, I had today's guest on the podcast uh, just a few days. I think it was before Easter that Sunday. 750,000 people live streamed the season two premiere. From there, The Chosen has grown exponentially. From streaming on YouTube and Facebook to ranking fourth in shows searched on Roku, before long, it had half a billion episode views from all around the world. It hasn't even been translated yet. It got picked up by NBC's Peacock and Prime Video, and earlier this year, it was added to Netflix. Season three debuted last month in over 2,000 theaters worldwide. Uh, it had, I believe, 14 million um, tuning in. It will be dubbed into 100 languages, subtitled into 500. And there are still four seasons to go. This unparalleled growth is Miraculous, And it comes at a time when intellectuals are pushing the narrative that Christianity is dead and atheism is our future. As the Apostle Paul wrote, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The chosen is a much needed reminder that Christ is alive and encouraging us to walk with him in the newness of life. Today on the Glenn Beck Podcast, welcome, Dallas Jenkins. What a perfect message uh, for today's podcast. I want to talk to you about preborn. You know, in Luke chapter one, um, 
it's not the Jesus birth story. It's actually the story of John the Baptist and his miracle birth. He was the one that came before the Lord to till the ground and prepare the way. If you believe in that and you believe the Bible, um, it, it just con continually repeats. It just shows us patterns to look for. I think that means that the children that are being born now and um, in these days may very possibly be the John the Baptist um, preparing the way. I think there's going to be lots of them. That's why um, it is so crucial um, that we pay attention to what is happening with abortion. All of these babies. Do you know this audience has saved 40, 45 or 46,000 babies? You can name them. They live today because this audience sent in some money so that these women could have ultrasounds. And that was the key to saving their life. 47,000. Holy cow. For $28, right now, you can rescue a baby's life. $140 sponsors five ultrasounds. That could be five babies. And now through a match, your gift will be doubled. 100% of your donation is going to go towards saving babies. Our goal is to save 50 on the blaze, 50 on my program. That's 100,000 babies. Please dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com slash Glenn. Season three of The Chosen is out. Here's the trailer. You look troubled. I am. You're losing something. I know what that's like. What are you losing? I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Someone touched me. If you are really the one who is to come, should we look for someone else? Go and tell John what you hear and see. Who is it? Why did we stop? It's him. I'm Judas of Kiriot. I have chosen you twelve as my apostles. Don't feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. What is stirring in your hearts? In the middle of such division and unrest, is Father God being revealed to you? to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A scourge of false prophecy must stop. Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, we will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. They're here for Jesus of Nazareth. More valuable than gold, more precious than rubies. Force them out. We are still Rome. 
anyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'm the one who caused their hunger. I should be the one to feed them. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. How are you, Dallas? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it's so good to have you. Um, I, you know, I was singing it before the interview. I was, I was singing about it yesterday, and I thought I remember interviewing your father on yeah. Left Behind. Yeah. I don't think it's a stretch to say, in my lifetime, because uh, I wasn't born with Cecil B. DeMille, right? But in my lifetime. I believe you and your father have uh, preached the gospel in a different way and hit more people probably than anybody else that I know. Hmm. Um, you have done remarkable things. You ever thought of that? Did your dad ever think about that? Well, my dad right now is is too busy finding new buttons for his shirt because mm -hmm. it keeps it, his shirts keep bursting. He's uh, very very proud. Obviously, um, it's it's been fun to watch. We we occasionally sit there and go, "What is happening? How is this possible that this had happened?" You know, it was twenty five years ago that the first Left Behind books came out. And that's what, what was it? Sixty million copies? Yeah, 60, like 70 million, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, uh, we don't know uh, this side of heaven why, but God has seems to have chosen my dad and uh, 25 years ago, and now me for to to deliver the story of 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 Jesus to the it's world in a, in a unique way that but that's still faithful to the intentions of the scriptures, and it's a, it's a you know it's something that I'm. I, I feel like I got a, a good front row seat on the bus to watch it happen, but I, I, cause I don't think I'm responsible for it. I just get a chance to watch it happen. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. It's just the best Jesus prediction. I, I mean, uh, a depiction I've, mm -hmm. I've ever seen. It is a remarkable series mm -hmm. and the only Jesus thing that my children will actually sit down and watch with me. It's, yeah. it's so accessible. Yeah. Um, the Jesus you picked to play Jesus is so different than I think most Jesus, you know, you right, just, right. he looks different. He talks differently. And why did you pick him? It was about seven or eight years ago uh, when the chosen actually first had its birth pangs, which mm. was uh, part of a big church that I was part of in Chicago. We had huge good Friday services. We would do, um, Every Good Friday, we'd have about seven or eight services. Several thousand people apiece would come. And uh, I did a short film. It was called The Two Thieves, and it was about the crucifixion, but from the perspective of the two thieves on the cross. And I was casting the, the two thieves who were the main characters. Jesus doesn't show up in the short film until the mm -hmm. end when, they, when they're on the cross and they meet him. And uh, so Jonathan Rumi, who, who now plays Jesus in The Chosen, he auditioned for one of the thieves and did a great job, but there were two other guys who were really good. And, and uh, the people who were auditioning for Jesus were really bad. 
And I'm like, I need a, I, 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 I said, you know, I know this is the, the a supporting role in this short film, mm-hmm. but he's got to be good. We, we need a good Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I said, that Jonathan guy seemed to be, you know, seemed to have a good tenderness about him that I think would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So he auditions for, for Jesus for my little short film. And 10 seconds into it, I saw what you see now. Yeah, yeah. Something there's something special. Yeah. And I was like, it's kindness. Yes. But, but with masculinity, yes. it's not, it's yes. not like a weak yes. kind of passive yeah. wallflower kindness right. that you sometimes see in Jesus portrayals where he's so formal and, and you know, uh, uh, distant and soft. So no, he's your best friend and yeah. a fierce lion at the oh, same yeah. time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And as, as we say in Chronicles of Narnia, a tame, mm-hmm. uh, he's not a tame lion, mm-hmm. uh, but all that to say, um, we we then I shot this short film. It was in a rock quarry in, in Illinois, uh, almost as cold as, as it is in this studio right now. <laughs> and uh, um, he uh, and and there was about five minutes of, of screen time where he's on the cross, and I'm just like, my goodness, uh, the, we got to do more of this. So each year, each Good Friday, I would bring him back, mm. and we would do vignettes, and it was always uh, short films or vignettes. Stories uh, of Jesus, but from a, from different perspectives, honoring the, the the scriptures, but but seeing it from through different uh, uh, lens, and uh, that's where we were kind of formulating. I think some of, we were finding it. That mm-hmm. was where we first. Did, I did a Jesus joke. A uh, couple couple. Uh, there was a short film I did where Jesus is with the disciples, and the disciples are arm wrestling. And uh, uh, Andrew defeats Thaddeus, which is a surprise to, mm. to the disciples. And one of the disciples says, I can't believe Andrew won. And Jesus says, even I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and I saw it, when, we, when we showed that short film in the church, the response to Jesus telling a joke and to being funny and, to, and, and even a joke about his own divinity. Mm-hmm. The response was this response of like, it was, it was laughter, but it was almost like gratitude. Like, oh, and I had people coming up to me saying, thank you for showing Jesus as someone who would have fun. He was a man. He was, yeah, who would have hang with his disciples and mm-hmm. that, that they would make a joke like that. And, and, there, and that's when it was, again, like there's something there. And uh, so when it came time, the opportunity came to do the show. Obviously, Jonathan was the first one that I cast. His life has had to have changed. Oh, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. I, and it, and it. I mean, it has to be a heavy mantle just walking around. People will see him and he's not Jesus, but he is Jesus. And I can't imagine what his life is like. He's he's wrestling with it. I Um, bet. Yeah, he uh, he has a good centered head on his shoulders. He's a believer. He knows that this is not I mean, I think the thing that's most uncomfortable for him is the fact that he's not Jesus. And yet right, yeah. when he gets recognized, the first thing people say is Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, now they know he's not Jesus too, mm-hmm. but there are some people for whom this portrayal in the show has changed their life. I mean, I experience oh, yeah. it when I, when I get recognized in an airport or whatever, yeah. people don't treat me like a celebrity. They, they come up and they start crying Yeah, and they, they just want to yeah. say, thank you. Yeah. And they'll say, my life has changed or my relationship with my dad has changed change or my my kids are for the first time you know Mm -hmm. considering Mm -hmm. jesus because so now that's just me think about it when they meet the guy who's playing him and sometimes they they have a hard time separate yeah i know 
And so he's, he gets it. He knows the difference between him and Jesus, but he does wrestle with being recognized and being treated the way that he's treated sometimes. I know and, Jim Caviezel quite yeah. well. Um, have they talked? They haven't. Uh, they, they have a lot of uh, mutual friends, and eventually it's going to happen. Jonathan has said, eventually the, the, we'll meet. And the, the meeting of Jesus. Yeah, the, and the world will collide. <laughs> you know, there'll be some sort of cosmic uh, disaster, perhaps, or, or it'll be awesome. But either way. I know that played heavy, yeah. heavy on uh, on Jim for a long time. Yeah, but I think that part of, I think there is a difference between us and the Passion of the Christ, too, in that. Um, I think there is in, in the chosen because of the multi-season format and the time that we take. I do think that Caviezel might have experienced even more of what Jonathan is experiencing because Passion of the Christ was so, I mean, it was, it was about, yeah, it was so big and epic and, mm -hmm. and uh, Jonathan's portrayal as we do it, there is a humanity there that makes mm -hmm. him a little bit more accessible. I think when people see Jim, sometimes there's almost a reverence. Whereas with Jonathan, it was, the, it was just the right, last part, right, right. you know. And uh, and and Mel's filmmaking style again, very yeah. it was very dramatic. Uh, it was beautiful. Very uh, my, mine is a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if raw is the right word, but I don't know. But, you, but, your filmmaking is absolutely stunningly beautiful. Well, thank it you, thank beautiful. you. But I think, but I, but I would say it's it's probably more because of the. Of the smallness of it. It's, I, I don't, I'm not trying to do a big epic, mm -hmm. uh, like Mel was. It's for me, it's about the, the humanity, the small moments, the rawness of it. So when people see Jonathan, there's almost, there's an accessibility yeah. where they're like, they want to come up and hug him, Yeah, you know? And that's, that's been interesting. The, the other thing that you did that I, I love, and I, I, I don't know if I've ever really seen it before, at least portrayed as well as you have done it. The apostles are not apostles. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not the apostles that you expect. Right. Uh, the, there was a scene last season, it was towards the end, where Jesus is just nonstop healing. And you feel so bad for Jesus because he's sure. there by himself, drained. And they're having this normal conversation not really paying attention, not really, yeah. not doing what apostles would do, right. you would think. And, and even arguments back and forth, they have no clue right. as to what they're dealing with. Right. Yeah. Why that choice? Yeah, so it's a great question. So that was episode three of season two. Uh, it's based on uh, Matthew four twenty four, which it said Jesus was healing all kinds of people, just lines of people coming for, you know, from Syria and it was Damascus. Yeah. So instead of showing all the healings, I take you backstage. And so we we spent time with the disciples and, and it's still early in the ministry. So they're wrestling with all of this. Mm-hmm. So he's the Messiah. Why, why, why haven't we overthrown the Romans yet? Mm -hmm. What's what's that about? Um, why did he choose me? I'm I'm not a student like I, like typical rabbi rabbinical students. I was a fisherman. I, and so they're wrestling with all of that. Well, one thing leads to another, and they start arguing. And in the midst of their argument, like where mm -hmm. the argument reaches a height, because again, think about this: Matthew was a tax collector. Jews hated, hated. tax collectors. They were betrayers of their Such people. Such a great depiction of him. Yeah. And even Jesus, when Jesus would speak of tax collectors, it wasn't positive. <laughs> and then you've got, he, he's called as one of the followers, and he, now he's living with and spending time with these other disciples who would have hated him. So they're arguing and arguing and arguing. And in the midst of the argument, Jesus just walks by. He's been healing for probably eight hours. There's blood on him. 
pouring sweat, powers drained out of him. He can barely stand up. His mother helps him into right. bed. Just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, all he does is say goodnight. Mm-hmm. And they're all just like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, like we suck, you know? Like, yeah. And so the, that's the answer. Why, why that choice? I've been to Rome. I've been to, I'm not a Catholic, but I've been to Catholic basilicas. Oh, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. I've seen the stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. I've seen the statues. There's something. Michelangelo. Right. There's something to the reverence. But for me, it's like, yeah, I don't, they, they were, they were human beings. They were guys, they screwed up. They were, they were just like us. And I feel like seeing Jesus through the eyes of those who actually met him and who had the same questions and doubts and struggles that we do today. I want to communicate that the answer and the solution to those questions and struggles is the same today as it was 2000 years ago. But if I don't show you the questions and the struggles Mm -hmm. and the humanity, then there's not much for you to connect with. And so then the answer doesn't, isn't as connectable either. If, 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 so what I hear from viewers is they go, oh, that's me. Simon, yes. Simon is me. Yes. Matthew is me. And because of that, then when Jesus heals their wounds, it's like, well, maybe he can heal mine too. Yeah. And you, um, it, it's, it's interesting because you look at, um, you know, you talk about going to the Vatican and seeing the stained glass windows and everything else. And, and the majesty of that people I'll say at times, Jesus is my best friend. He yeah. is my best friend. And I, I just talk to him. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I've had people look at me and go, he is the Lord of Lords, <laughs> right, King right. of Kings. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And, and that has set me that there are two ways that we have to appreciate. We must worship him yeah. as a king on a throne and humble ourselves. But there is also the kindness that he has, you know? The thing that some people were skeptical of when the show first came out was, well, if you you humanize him too much, Mm -hmm. like the episode three of season one where you see him making camp and, and dressing his own wound and making his own food and start trying to start a fire and I thought that was doing great. his bedtime prayer. There are some people who were like, well, the risk is you're taking away from his divinity. And but he wouldn't have gone, poof, start the fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I believe, and, 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 and I can say this pretty uh, confidently because it's what we've heard from millions of people, is that it do, not only doesn't detract from his humanity, mm-hmm. if anything, it enhances it. It makes it even more impressive. It makes him more humble. Because you go, the creator of the universe is doing this. Became one of us. Yes. He didn't sin, but he knows what we felt. He he did what we did. He 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 he. he uh, we even portray him as as like a, he, that he was a clumsy teenager. You know, like <laughs> he, he he didn't sin, but he but he he was a human being. Now the whole God man conundrum has vexed us for 2000 years we will never understand it but we do know he laughed and danced at weddings with his friends the first miracle he ever did was a favor for his friends because his mom asked him mm-hmm. to the, the phrase the, the term emmanuel means god with us it's typically a christmas term that's mm-hmm. typically right around this time of year we're talking about emmanuel it's not just a christmas term it means god with us why why did he dress his own wounds and make his own food because god was with us that is an extraordinary concept. And I think when that, when you, when that hits you and you go, 
that's the creator of the universe and 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 he hung out with his disciples and and was a human being i think it makes it even more humbling oh i agree and then it, of course as you know it's even more of an example mm. it's more of a that's he's it's the it's the first being last yes i mean that is the you know you've always heard well general Patton ate after all of his troops yeah jesus <laughs> served us right. i mean that's crazy humbling right. crazy humbling i want to play a clip um and this is an exchange between uh, jesus and little james watch master little james may i have a moment of course i am um... Forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak, that's a very good quality. <laughs> Wanted to ask you a question, please. So you're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal to imagine with my condition which you haven't healed do you want to be healed yes of course if, if that's possible I think you've seen enough to know it's possible So the actor who plays little James is as uh, cerebral palsy and scoliosis, you know, as in real really? life. Yeah. Hmm. So when I cast him, I knew I was eventually going to have to do this scene, um, which is one of the toughest questions that believers and non-believers have ever faced, which is yeah. why does he heal some and not others? Mm -hmm. Why does a good God allow suffering? Um, so finally in season three, I was like, all right, we can't wait any longer because mm -hmm. there's a scene, there, well, scene, I shouldn't call it a scene, a passage in the Gospels where Jesus sends out the disciples two by two and they heal and they cast out demons and they preach the word. It's a temporary moment during the ministry where he grants them this authority. And I just thought, what would little James think of that? If he's going to mm -hmm. be asked to heal others and yet he still has this malady. And so... That, uh, that question is one that I guess I had um, the craziness to try to, <laughs> yeah. to try to answer. It was beautiful. What, what is it like on the set? Because there has to be moments like that, that it feels personal. Yeah. What is that like? I would say um, that there's been about a dozen times where... Uh, the character of Jesus in the show is um, one of two things, either asking someone to follow him or a character is quoting scripture, like actually, because a lot of the content, for, I mean, that scene that you just watched isn't directly from scripture, right. obviously, but every now and then there is. They're actually saying words that were uttered in scripture. And almost without exception, when one of those two things happens, Jesus calling someone to follow him or they're quoting scripture, 
something happened, something emotional. I've had actors mm-hmm. come up to me and say, I don't know what happened there. I just couldn't stop crying or I yeah. couldn't. I, they have to walk away and kind of gather themselves. Um, it happens enough times that it's no longer a surprise. And I think there's, I think it just speaks to the, you know, to the power of scripture, but also mm-hmm. I think that even though we know these are actors and this is a, this is a, a, a portrayal, um, whether you believe or not, uh, whatever, wherever you are in your, in your relationship with Jesus, whether you have one or don't, or whether you're in the middle of one or searching or not, when you're faced with that choice, it is an emotional experience, mm-hmm. dramatic, whatever choice you make, even if you reject, even if you don't believe, even if you dismiss, you can't ignore it. And, uh, and I feel like that's sometimes what happens on the set. And it's, um, it, it, again, it's, it's a very humbling thing because you go, gosh, we are not, this is not just a normal show where I can, yeah. I can just do this and walk away from it and right. hope it turns out well. It's, we're, doing, we're, we're, we're portraying something that we believe actually happened and, and, and literally changed the world and continues to today. Everybody a believer on set? Or? Oh, I would, I would, a majority aren't, I would say. Aren't? Yeah, correct. Yeah, but so over half our actors are not. Are not believers. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, it's a spectrum, you know. But, yeah, yeah. But, um, and a couple have become so since doing the show. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, uh, either a, 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 an agnostic faith yeah. background, but just love sure. the show, love the... Love yeah. the the historical portrayal yeah, yeah. and and uh, and find find the stories very intriguing and 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 some believe that some of this may very well may have happened maybe not necessarily ready to sure. acknowledge Jesus as God but yeah that's that's a I would say it's a majority of our cast and, and crew back with Dallas here in a second I I, I want to talk to you about a more earthly power that we all have we have we have so much power and we don't ever recognize it. Um, some of our power comes um, temporally here. It matters how you spend your money when you're putting it out there and you're, you're putting it out in the economy. And we're, what are we buying? What are we building with that money? We really need to rebuild our country. And every chance you get to buy American, and I mean real America, not like, not like um, cars. American cars today are not made in America. They're assembled in America. A lot of American manufacturing has slipped over the years. Trying to make clothes in America is almost impossible. However, there is somebody that is doing it. Um, And I love partnering with these companies. The company I want to tell you about is Grip6. They, uh, They have decided that they are starting small and they just want to make a wallet, some belts, and I think the best socks I've ever worn. This is a true American experience. Everything comes from America, all the way from the sheep and the wool, all the way to the end product, the ink, everything. It's Grip 6. You're supporting American ranchers. You're rebuilding our uh, fabric-making ability here in America. It's an American business owned by Americans, it has some extra risk because it's in America and it stands for something. But I don't know. As I stand, I like to know that I'm in American socks. Grip six. Check them out now. Grip six dot com slash Beck. Grip six dot com slash Beck. You know, the, the thing about your portrayal here is that 
And, you know, this is the way the Bible is. It just feels like today. Yeah. And I find it interesting. I assume you believe we're living in end of days and the possibility at least exists that we'll see Christ. Um, It's interesting to me that your father laid the groundwork and that felt right at the time. But now, if we are indeed approaching these days, it's not the fear. It's the strength and the empathy and the kindness of Christ. And I, I wouldn't have thought that, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's, it, a real, it, it's it, a, that's a really insightful point and question. Um, yeah, it, it, 25 years ago, it, it was like, it was almost like the Left Behind books were, a, I don't know if a warning is the right answer, oh, but, no. but it's kind of like, hey, this is what the Bible is predicting mm-hmm. and we're starting to see some evidences mm-hmm. of it. Pay Wake attention. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Not last call, but yeah. a call. <laughs> yeah. And now it's there. There's so much of what was predicted happening. Like, I mean, the division alone, I mean, like, I mean, you've, you've, you mean, you know this better than anybody. I mean, there's never been a, a time in uh, perhaps in history where literally just even, even potentially agreeing with someone who might be on the team on the other team on anything is is a verboten verboten and 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 you shouldn't do it and if you do it now you're no longer on your team i mean it is it is insane um and and the world is seeming to explode well you don't really need to give a warning anymore that the world might explode it's exploding the question then has become is well how now shall we live what 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 is our responsibility in the midst of this and you might think, well, well, we need to fight. We need to overthrow. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Jews were saying at the time. Mm-hmm. Jesus came, all right, finally, you're here. The world's exploding. Do your thing. Mm-hmm. Heal us. Mm-hmm. Take over. And he went, oh, yeah, no, I'm not here to stop that. I'm here for your heart. I'm here for the kingdom in your heart. I'm, I'm building a new kingdom, and it's not what you think. And uh, it, they didn't get it until, he, until his death and resurrection. I, uh, I've been saying for the last probably year maybe eight months really clearly there's coming a time right right now it's right now um where if you're not if you haven't had a relationship with the holy spirit i don't know if you're going to survive because you have to be guided by by him and and that we have to be more christ-like and it's amazing to me from christians they will say what 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 are we going to do about everything. And I'll say, read your scriptures and just, just live like yeah. Jesus wants you to live. Yeah. And um, they'll say, yeah, 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 I know that, but what are we going to do? And it's, it's almost exactly the same thing. Yeah. They don't, we don't understand who we are we th- i i don't know it's it's we know it's not going to continue this way and yet we're trying to I, I don't know how to express it we're trying to live our way when that massive change is coming where we won't live like this at all yeah i think i think well i think we have even those of us who believe struggle with wanting to control we we, we want to we want to impact the circumstances around us and 
And, uh, and Jesus calls us to do that, but not in the way we expect. And I think for you especially, I would imagine a lot of your, your viewers and listeners are going, Glenn, you're a warrior. You know, you've been fighting so for he. us for so long. Fight. And you're like, yeah, but well, there's a different, it's a different kind of fighting. Yeah, Jesus was a warrior. Yeah. I mean, if that wasn't war that he went through, I don't know what is. Right. And uh, it's just... It's just not the way you think. It's, not, it's you know, I've, I've found that I've been approached on the street many times uh, with uh, people who just lose their mind and just, like, come at me and rah! And um, I have found a way to, through God, to actually love them and to feel the hurt that somehow or another I have made them feel mm-hmm. and uh, I've just said to them, I love you. Yeah. And you keep repeating that. And it, it, they don't, nobody knows how to fight that because I'm not giving you any oxygen for the fire. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, he talked about the last time first, he talked about, uh, uh, a kind word can is almost like heaping hot coals of fire on someone's head. I mean, the the kind of fight that he did was just so different than what we how how we see it. And uh, and and I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is okay. So what does victory look like? And I think we think victory looks like overthrowing the government, overthrowing our pressures, overthrowing changing changing the society so that we are now in control. Ooh. And and. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're, we're both yeah, yeah, libertarians. Yeah. We know the danger yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Jesus flipped on his head, on its head, what what victory looked like, mm-hmm. and victory of the victory is, and that's even the, the clip that we just played, where, where little James is saying, "Well, why haven't you healed me?" And Jesus says to him, "Yeah, it would be a good story for me to do a miracle, but there's lots of people who have that story. The greater miracle." is you proclaiming me in spite of your weakness, you finding joy in the midst of your circumstances. That's where Christians can truly impact society is to go, yeah, we get it. We, we're suffering too, we know. And uh, some of the most joyous people we've met have been in third world countries who are living in dastardly circumstances, living yeah. in oppression and going, yeah, but I still have the joy. That's yeah. the victory. I, I, I that's, was, the, that's the battle to, yeah. to, to win. I was in Iraq. Um, one, uh, one night they, this church was the church in Iraq is awesome. Awesome. They were, they were scheduled to be bombed, to be bombed and killed at 7 PM. And I'm asking my guys, are they still going? And he's like, yep, they're going to be there. So I went, but I was like, uh, moved. I was like, what are they? (laughs) These guys, these families, the children, the dads, the mothers, joy, full of joy. And joy. they were like, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. What a great way to live your life. Oh, yeah. They'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, the, they'll say, we had a wonderful bombing last yeah. week. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, we've, we're, we're, we're closer to God than ever before. Yeah. I mean, because they find, they find uh, God in the midst, midst of, of, of challenge. And that's what true joy is versus happiness, which comes and goes. And yeah, we, we talk about, we do that a lot in the show uh, too, of, of trying to show that um, it's, it's actually through the, the, the trial, the, 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 the pain that you actually feel closest to God. It's a, it's a hard truth to grasp. It takes a long time. Um, but that's, again, that's the, that's the victory that, that comes when you can actually get there. It becomes a superpower. Um, 
there's a um, a part in this season where Jesus says, "You think it's hard to follow me now? <laughs> you haven't seen anything yet." Yeah. Um, and that was one of those moments where I feel like, "Wow, that that's that's today." Yeah. Um, can you can you talk about a little bit about um, how what people what you hope people get from watching this, um, and not just from Jesus, but from the apostles yeah. on. You think it's tough. Yeah. You're going to be crucified upside down. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you. Yeah. Well, so there's a, a this is the scene that you're referencing is an episode two of season three where it's the scene where he officially calls them. He officially says, you're my apostles. So he, we sometimes get, get those terms mixed up. Disciples. Jesus had many disciples, hundreds that followed him around. Uh, but the apostles were the 12 that he said, you're, you're my leaders. You're going to. You're going to go out and, and say, apostles means the one who's sent. And uh, so he gathers them all in Simon's house and says, you're, right, you're, you're my guys, you're the official 12, and you're my apostles. And they're like, whoa, you're sending us? He says, yes. Yeah. So he starts telling them, you're going to go out, you're going to preach, you're going to heal, you're going to cast out demons, but you're actually not going to take any money. You're not going to take anything to wear. Mm -hmm. You're going to go out there without me. And they're like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. <laughs> we've been with you and we've seen you when you do these things. And you get attacked you get threatened by our leaders. You're sending us out there without you. How are we going to do this? And he's like, well, you need to learn to not fear those who may kill the body, destroy the body, but uh, uh, it's more about the soul. And, and, and John, the apostle says, so you're saying we could die? And there's this moment where, where Jesus has, in, in the show, has this, like he, and Jonathan, the actor, and I talked about this. He's like, I, I see the future, but I, I can't communicate it to them just yet. Mm -hmm. They need to have it kind of delivered in, in, in mm -hmm. small pieces. So you see his face change, and he's, he's very sad, but he says, there will come a time when you face the kind of persecution that I'm facing, and, and then you will know what it truly means to give up your life. But that's not on, on this trip. You know, on this trip, we'll, it'll, it'll, it'll feel different. And we've heard from so many people who've seen that scene who felt personally convicted about their own, like, they're like, well, he's called me to, to be sent and for me to, to sacrifice and me to be willing to give up my life if necessary. And that's the most affirming thing I can ever hear about the show is when people say, oh, that scene was for me as much mm -hmm. as it was for them. That takes the apostles off of stained glass windows. That takes them down from the statues where they're standing there regally and makes right. And you go, oh, I, I'm that, I, I'm him, mm -hmm. I'm her. Mm -hmm. And that's, 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 my, that's the favorite thing that I ever hear from, from viewers is when there's a connection to that. And it's, it's not, you know, in Sunday school growing up, you know, you, you sometimes see Jesus portrayed on a flanograph and he's wearing the white robe and, and he's smiling. And it's perfectly and, white. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he didn't live in <laughs> he's first century. Some, he's got to have some cologne on of some sort as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was clearly being uh, laundered every, yes. every, every couple hours out in the right. desert. But uh, the chosen, um, this, the theme of season three is come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We don't skip over the weary and heavy laden part. And season three is a tough, tough season because we, we, we portray the kinds of things that we face today that we know they faced then. And Jesus doesn't erase it all. He just is present. 
Well, Christmas is right around the corner, which means you're probably tearing your hair out trying to figure out, oh, wait, who did we forget? If you have somebody on your list that's hard to shop for, um, give them the most essential gift of the year, meat. <laughs> Bill Murray, what was the uh, Scrooged? Is five pounds of beef. Um, you get it in a great box, and it comes from good ranchers. Um, they have gift boxes. Uh, they can send them out. You can get an awesome discount on an order of five boxes or more. And it is 100% American, USDA prime, upper choice cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood. Sometimes you go to the grocery store and you'll say product of USA. It's not. A lot of that meat that has that sticker, it doesn't mean that it was farmed in America. That could be from China. It's crazy. This is U.S. beef, and we've got to take care of our farmers and our ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code GLEN at checkout. Get $35 off the delicious gift of meat. Again, it's GoodRanchers.com. Promo code GLEN. I think this is like perfect timing, at least for me um, and where I am um, in my view of things. Um, but what's must be strange um, for you, you know, when Lucille Ball had her baby, first time anyone was pregnant, first time baby was going to, you know, be born, um, 70% of every television, every person that had a television, 70% of them were watching that night. Okay. I knew what it was like at Fox. It was not, you know, it was 3 million a night. There's something about that because you can feel it. This is spilling out into people's lives all the time. Yeah. How, how does how do you how do you react to that? How is what? Because this feels right this year to me. Yeah. But it might hit somebody four years down the road. Oh sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when we when we launch each of our episodes right now, season three coming out each Sunday night. You know, Sunday night seven o'clock Eastern. We we have a big live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and the chosen app, and and it's all at once. And we get you know a couple hundred thousand people uh, mm -hmm. show up for that, but. 99% of our viewers are watching this over the course of multiple years. Mm -hmm. And there's still plenty of people who I'll run into who will go, hey, you know, you're Dallas James, the creator of The Chosen. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I just started season one. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, season one. That was, <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, no, I've made that four years ago. Mm -hmm. It came out a year and a half ago. The season one just debuted on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, and it's going really well on Netflix. And so, I mean, and it's translated into 25 languages on Netflix. So there's people all over the world uh, discovering it. And, uh, and that's the, that's, that's the, the weird thing about it is they're, they're talking about how I was so moved by, and, and, and I'm assuming they're going to mention something that I just did. And they're like, mm -hmm. when Jesus redeems Mary in a bar, and I'm like, oh, oh. that's episode one, season one. Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. I got to re refresh my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a living, breathing, constantly changing. Uh, it's almost movies changed when the videotape, you know, came out. Um, and they could have that extra life. Um, television's always been television. And, you know, when the DVD came out, I guess, you know, some shows. Um, but 
now this is almost like music. It is. Yeah, that's a good point. It yeah. just lives at any time, anywhere in the world, and will continue to affect for decades. Well, and right now we're only reaching the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to the show expanding around the world because, um, you know, we just established a new partnership uh, with a, a nonprofit that's going to be raising I mean, it already has hundreds of millions of dollars to translate it into hundreds of languages. Mm. And so what's happening in the States with the chosen is starting to happen in, I mean, it's starting to really blow up in Brazil, uh, the Philippines, um, India, there's places where it's starting to grow. We're trying to catch up with it. I mean, it's growing bigger than we can keep oh, up with. Yeah, yeah. And they're going, and to your point, they're going, we just saw season one, which we had, we had translated, you know, a couple of years ago. They're like, all right, season two translation. And I'm going, Hey, the translation, takes longer to do than it does to watch. Like, <laughs> like this is hard. There's hundreds of languages, but it's, it's growing and, and the demand for it is growing so big. We're trying to keep up with it and we're establishing an international team and trying to, to get it out there. But uh, the other thing that's interesting to your point is, and this is also like music, how many times have you heard the same song that you love or that has spoken over to you? And, over and, over. And, and sometimes being a father now, a song has huge meaning mm -hmm. compared to what it did when you were a teenager. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, so we have people who say, I, <laughs> people who will say to me, I watch the scene of Jesus and Mary, or I watch the scene of, of uh, Jesus healing the paralytic or Jesus calling Matthew um, once a month because mm. it, or I just watched it again for the 50th time because mm -hmm. it, it, it comforts me or brings me so much like I that like they need to, they need to see it again to remind them of, of who Jesus is. And, and, uh, that's really cool too. When, yeah. when, when unlike television back then, when Lucy ball had her baby, you watched it and you, it done. you didn't get a chance to see it again, unless it no. was maybe in a rerun during the summer. And then that yeah. was it. Yeah. So that's, um, I, I think this show is a uniquely positioned for such a time as this, because it can it can, can kind of heal peel people repeatedly and yes and build yeah and even because the seasons this, this is the third time we've watched the chosen yeah. start to wherever you are because yeah, yeah. the seasons take a while and then when you have the new season we're back watching it from the beginning yeah you want to kind of catch up yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> the portrayal of the women on the on the path and, and thank you for your portrayal of Mary Magdalene. Um, I don't, I, I think she's, I think she gets slighted an awful oh, yeah. lot. Um, and um, I think she was most likely a really, truly remarkable woman as you portray. Yeah. Um, and the actress who plays her, is Elizabeth, is, is a miracle. Yeah. yeah. Um, You've shown it, I think, once. I'm trying to remember the woman who is traveling. Her father was like, you, no, "Wait, you're going to go out on the road?" Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, Rama is the name of the actor of, of the character. Yeah. She's not from scripture, but she's right. Yeah, she's uh, matched with Thomas, yeah. the, the, the apostle. And uh, and so they're traveling. That mm -hmm. did not happen. I mean, it happened. In the scriptures, yeah. But back then, that was unheard of, right? Yeah. So women 
back then were um, pr- property may be too strong of a word, uh, but they they their, their fathers controlled their lives, including mm-hmm. who they who they married, and um, and so then when they were married, then then they belonged to their husbands in a case in in a, in a sense, um, but. When you read the Gospels, there's some things that, that you can pick up on that are pretty surprising. One is there were women who followed Jesus, traveled with him, and actually supported the, the ministry. Right. Because the, the the disciples, they gave up their, their jobs to become official rabbinical students. That's what would happen when you would follow a rabbi. You'd give up everything and you'd follow the rabbi. Well, a woman wouldn't be an official rabbinical student. But she still followed Jesus, wanted to be around the, the ministry, wanted to be around the sermons. So... They had the jobs. So when, we, when people talk about our portrayal of women in the show, um, and they, they, they talk about how we honor them and give them strength, and I'm like, yeah, but that's not as against type as, as you might have expected. Now, to your question, Rama, who plays, um, uh, who, who's, who's the daughter of a man named Kafni, who was at, the, in our portrayal, the, fee, the, the wedding at Cana, this is episode five of season one is when mm-hmm. we meet her. She and Thomas are the caterers, the wine providers for the wedding. And they see this miracle. And so they, they want to follow Jesus. Well, the father of Rama has to give permission. She can't just leave the house and go mm-hmm. off. A, it wouldn't be safe. But B, um, even in Jewish law, like she would have been living outside of the authority of her, mm-hmm. of her father. Um, so... It's, it's been a really cool way for us to explore some of that mm-hmm. by showing just how big of a deal that would have mm-hmm. been. Um, and so, the, yeah, the, her character, uh, her father especially, who's not a believer, who finds even Jesus to potentially be blasphemous. But we portray it as though Jesus did a miracle that saved his business. And so mm-hmm. he's kind of like, all right, I feel like my daughter really wants to follow you. I'm going to allow this. Um, Thomas you better keep her safe. Jesus, you better take care of her. So we portray some of those yeah. kind of family dynamics. And the Gospels talk about that. They say, I will cause division in your household. Right. You may, you're, you know, you, there, there may be even hatred within your family because following me actually takes precedence. What's the process like when you go off script, <laughs> when you go off of scripture and you're trying to tell something and you're writing scenes that are out of your head. What is the pressure and the process like (laughs) to write that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're it's, it's a, it's a tight rope and, and I don't always have the balance on it that I'm trying to find. Uh, so the, the, the one word that is the banner above all that we write is plausible. Now, that applies biblically, spiritually, historically, culturally, and artistically, which is um, this isn't a traditional Bible show in the sense that we're not just reenacting verse Bible, by verse, yeah. miracle by miracle, which has been done before and done well. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not, uh, this isn't trying to replace that. Uh, this is a show about the people of first century Galilee. It's a, it's a historical drama. Using the Bible as the primary source of truth and inspiration. So. When I go off script, which is actually the majority of the time, mm-hmm. I mean, in the Bible, mm-hmm. Jesus never said hello. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, he didn't, never says Jesus, right. uh, you know, uh, said good night. Yeah, exactly. Or, or was, you know, eating a piece of bread mm-hmm. and, while he was talking to his friends. Um, so it's dangerous territory we're, 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 we're walking through and waters to, to wade in. 
we operate from, is this plausible? Now, the answer to that question is, is, is a tough one sometimes. But does this fit within the character and intentions of Jesus and the Gospels? And uh, I have Bible uh, um, consultants that I, that I work with who read all our scripts. They don't have veto power. And they're, and they're different religions. Yeah, so I have yeah. a, a Catholic priest, a Messianic Jewish rabbi, and an evangelical scholar. I'm an evangelical, so um, I'm going to obviously see things through that perspective. And I'm the final say. I mean, even mm-hmm. if I disagree with one of them, we have another process where if there's disagreement, we kind of take it to a few more people. And, and, and we only, we only go farther than that. If there's what we would call a red flag, meaning if, if especially my, uh, my Messianic Jewish rabbi who, who, uh, really has a great handle on the history of it. Mm-hmm. If he says this would never happen, like mm-hmm. red flag, right? Then I'm going to take that very seriously. That's right. not going to be something I go. Well, we disagree. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's very rare. I mean, it's happened maybe once or twice. Has there been something that you all really agonized over that did make it in? Yeah. Um, so, in season one, uh, we introduce you to Simon as someone who is fishing on Shabbat. He's he's mm-hmm. breaking Jewish law mm-hmm. to. Um, to, to, to feed his, his family, taxes, yeah. to pay his taxes, all yeah. that stuff. And Rabbi Jason Sobel, who's our consultant, said it wouldn't happen. Jews do not break, break the Sabbath. And I said, okay, well, what if we portray it as a huge deal? Like, what if we, like, because the, the exceptions in the case of breaking Sabbath law were uh, when your life is at stake. Um, and I can't even pronounce the term, but it's Pekoknefesh uh, or something. I'm, I'm butchering mm-hmm. it, so forgive me, my Jewish brothers and sisters. But uh, which is, if your life is at stake, then you can mm-hmm. then you can break a, a Sabbath rule. So what if we portray it as Simon really believes his life is at stake here? He's just, he might be wrong, but he's doing. So Rabbi Jason kind of reluctantly tolerated that. I right. mean, and, and so because we portrayed it as a big deal, um, there, there there are people. <laughs> Yes. There are good people, religious people who are not diehard religious people who yeah. would go that. Yeah, my life is at stake and it's yeah. a little it's a little yeah. snaky, but well, it's and, also. Well, I even think Simon, I would have considered him a diehard religious person, but I would also say he was a diehard everything. I mean, mm-hmm. Simon Peter, he he did everything like a bull in a china mm-hmm. shop. And so, it, so to me, it was plausible that he could go. I am a practicing Jew, but right now. I have no, my life is at stake because if I don't, if I don't pay these taxes, if I'm not able to survive and the, and so it's a, it's a, you know, we, the plot of it, you can see in season one, but that was the kind of thing that we, that we wrestled with. There's another moment in season two, uh, that was, uh, season two, episode five is probably the most controversial episode we've done. It has a few moments that were controversial for people. One is Mary Magdalene relapses. Oh, yeah. She's someone who'd been redeemed by Jesus walking this, the straight and narrow path, healed from her, uh, her, her alcoholism and her demon possession. And uh, she gets triggered by a few things and has a relapse. And uh, in, in that same episode, Jesus uh, has a couple of conversations with John the Baptist, and they have some arguments. They like our mm-hmm. cousins. They have some teasing each other. They have some arguments. I love that. Yeah, see, yeah. and so did my Messianic Jewish rabbi, who was like, mm-hmm. Because some people were really upset with that. No, mostly evangelicals who were have like, you, if you have two rabbis, <laughs> you've got three opinions. <laughs> yes. That's conservative. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all my Jewish friends who were like, because it was mostly evangelicals who were like, John the Baptist had huge respect for Jesus, and which is, of course, true. But um, they have my, not been around enough Jews. Yes. That's, my, that's, they no, and it's argue true. 
And it doesn't, that, they're not mad. They're just, they, that, that's how they're learning. That's with how they learn. And, and so Jesus yeah. is, is, uh, is saying to John the Baptist certain things. And John's like, wait a minute. Well, why, why don't you do this? And I'm, and, and, and Jesus has an answer, you know, and that's how John is learning. So that scene was controversial for some people, but then the big one, <laughs> uh, 10 seconds that kind of broke the internet when it happened is Jesus preparing for a sermon the big sermon on the mount and he's by himself and he's kind of working through the words that he's going to say i loved that and he's like salt has lost its flavor no no he's kind of working through it and there were some people who lost their minds just were like he's god he never struggled with anything and and i'm like well, this isn't sin this is this is jesus genuinely thinking i'm going to be speaking to thousands of people i'm god I want to trend. I want to. I want to say things in a but way that they're going to. Also, man, and he's also man. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, this idea that Jesus is born all knowing. I don't. There, there would be no struggle then. Well, the scripture says you know, he grew in wisdom and correct. stature, which means that. And we're still at the kind of the beginning of his ministry at that yeah, point, yeah. and he is still trying to. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, and, well, and, and many people did. In fact, the majority of people thought it was beautiful, but there were some people who have a very, uh, what I would consider to be a rigid view of Jesus. Now, to be clear, I don't know for a fact that Jesus sure. struggled with the words to, to try to figure out what he was going to say. It's not fact. Um, the whole hypostatic union, God, man, fully God, fully man, has vexed people for 2,000 years. Yep. It's not going to be solved from a comment on YouTube. No. But there were <laughs> plenty of people who thought they could solve it right. with their YouTube comment. And I'm not trying to solve it either. I'm saying, I think this is plausible. I think it's actually really beautiful. And, you know, season... Um, uh, episode three of, of season three, which I don't, uh, which you haven't seen yet, but I can't wait for you to see it because I, th I think you're going to absolutely love it. We show Jesus going to his hometown of Nazareth. Mm. And uh, it's a famous gospel story where he preaches in the synagogue and he asserts that he's the savior. Yeah. And it, it doesn't causes, go well. It doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> Suboptimal. <laughs> well said. Um, and uh, that's actually the moment in the, in the, uh, the trailer where, mm. where the man says, you, I, uh, the Pharisee says, uh, if you do not renounce your words, we have no choice but to follow the book of Moses, which is when where Moses said, you, you kill false prophets. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I am the law of Moses. Well, uh, in that episode, we see him going to his childhood home. He goes to his mom's house. She's got food for him. He stays in his childhood room. Mm -hmm. The next morning, they go to the, the festival, Rosh Hashanah, where they're all celebrating. It's a carnival. He plays a game with his, with his childhood friends. He's lousy at it. He was never good at sports. Um, some of those things, uh, when, when you think about like, uh, how much could Jesus bench press? <laughs> you know, was he good at sports? Right. And I think sometimes we think, well, of course, he's perfect. He's God. He could do anything. He's not Superman. He's not Superman. He grew up in wisdom and stature. We also show a flashback of Jesus as a six-year-old. And his father, Joseph, is mm -hmm. teaching him some of his carpentry. Mm -hmm. And while that's happening, Jesus is learning to read. And there's this moment where Jesus, six-year-old Jesus is like reading some scripture and he's sounding out the words and Joseph is saying, no, sound it out. And, and he's like, broken, he's like, broken, broken, he hearted, hearted, you know, broken. What's that word? What is broken hearted? And Jesus says, what is, what is that? What is broken hearted? And Joseph is saying, mm -hmm. well, it's a heart that's broken and it's not the heart in your chest. It's and portraying that and exploring that to me, I, I, I fell more in love with Jesus just even oh, in the yeah. writing of that scene because I'm like, did he, was he born knowing how to read? Yeah. Of course not. Was he born knowing how to walk? Of course not. That's the beautiful thing about the story. Right. And so uh, I do think that we sometimes don't, I think we sometimes miss out on that. And, and so that to me was the, 
figuring out what he wants to say to me was part of this whole beautiful story of, of, of God becoming man. Um, I don't know if you know, I'm a, I'm a painter. And, I didn't. Um, this, um, this year I'm going to paint a painting of Judas, which I never, never thought, you know. Um, but it's really because of the chosen that I, mm. because he is always, he's always, um, he's hated. He turned Christ in, turned Christ in. But also if it wasn't for him, you know, it was a job that had to be done. Um, and I, the fact that he hung himself uh, he knew, he yeah. knew. Um, and if Christ, if he would have, if he wouldn't have hung himself, Christ would have forgiven him if he was sorry, you know, um, how are you going to portray? It, it, are you looking at him as more of a Josephus kind of character from, from history yeah. of there's a lot of false messiahs out there. I mean, the Hills were full right. of people saying they were the Messiah. People don't realize that oh, yeah. Jesus was just one of many at his day. And they were all warriors. All of them. They were all expecting warriors. And you see it in the second sea or yeah. Second season where they're like, but why aren't we like, why are we going to build an army? Right. You know? Um, so it would be logical that he would say he's not the Messiah. Right. How are you going to play him? Well, I can't give all of that away, but <laughs> you're seeing the hints now. So in season three, Judas uh, has now, is now following Jesus, goes home to kind of settle his affairs and talks to his sister. And his sister says exactly what we just talked about. She's like, you're, you're, you're following this Messiah. The Romans don't like uh, messiahs. The Jews don't like false messiahs. Uh, they kill people who, who, who are false prophets. And, 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 and Judas says, which is a line that people have said just broke their hearts. He says, if he's the Messiah, he won't be killed. I mean, think about the ramifications of that, mm -hmm. of, of Judas saying that. He really believed, though. There's, I, I think it's unarguable that Judas joined the team believing and healed sick like the other disciples, cast out demons like the other apostles. We show that actually in episode four of season three, uh, which is coming soon. He... Uh, the scenes that we're portraying of Judas now are, I'm hearing from people, are heartbreaking. When he meets Jesus in episode one, Jesus says, uh, so your name, the meaning of your name, Judas. I mean, Judas actually means praising God with your hands. And Jesus says, yes. Judas says, yeah, praise God. And Jesus says, with your hands. And Jesus says, well, so will you praise God? He says, yes, with my whole heart, you know. Um, so, Absolutely, Judas believed that he was the Messiah, mm -hmm. at least initially. Uh, without giving much away, I do believe that ultimately Judas was, was saying, all right, uh, I'll say this delicately, poop or get off the pot. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're the Messiah, do your thing. And if you're not the Messiah, then we, we need to know now, because mm -hmm. otherwise we're doing a lot of damage. Because a lot of people, more than normal, more than normal messiahs that have come along are following you. Um, and Judas saw miracles. So 
when did he actually stop believing Jesus was the Messiah? And are you going to, are you going to show, that's what I want to paint is the moment after where he knows that what he's done. Are you going to spend time in that period? Of course. Because that's good. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's the thing that what we're setting up now with Judas and introducing you to Judas, I think is what's going to make seasons six and seven that much more painful. Um, and people are already saying that now, as they're saying, my, mm. the first couple of seasons are like, I can't, mm-hmm. when I start to think about what's coming, it's even worse than normal mm-hmm. for me because I now feel like I know the disciples. I know mm-hmm. his mother. I know I've seen Jesus laugh and dance. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. I don't want to see him on the cross, you know? And that's, that's what they experienced. Um, and that's why it's going to be painful. I'm not going to shy away from it, obviously. But the Judas stuff is especially painful. And uh, it, it, we wouldn't be the chosen if we didn't, if we, if, if, if we skipped over it and just tried to, and yeah. then Judas betrayed him and then he hung himself. Right. No, right. it's, it, it demands. That's usually what you get. Yeah. It demands, demand, demands some time um, because I think we need to feel the weight of it. And I think we also need to feel um, our own, our own culpability in it as, as flawed, sinful human beings of who he was dying for. I have for. to tell you. If you believe troubled times are coming, I pray I'm not a Judas, you yeah. know? It, or a Simon Peter who... Yeah, who denied him. denied you, him. I mean, think, when you betray, portray that, it's going to hit home to people, I think. For people uh, who... who for, for, for guys who saw his miracles, ate with him, yeah, drank with him, went to weddings with him. Knew, saw his miracles. And still, when a couple of them, when faced with... The, the threat go went uh. now what's what's interesting is once he rose spoiler alert <laughs> season seven wait wait what yeah sorry <laughs> uh when he when he resurrected they all were like never again i mean they yeah that, that's one of the greatest uh evidences for it is how passionately they were like we right. saw him rise from the dead he conquered death we don't care if we die right are you taking this beyond his resurrection, will you go into Paul and well, right now I'm, apostles? Right now I'm trying to just get season four written. <laughs> and, uh, and at the end of season seven, I'm going to take a year-long nap. But um, season seven will go past his resurrection, yes. But it's not going to go into the whole, the, all the book of Acts where all the disciples are. That, that, that'll be another show or mo- series of movies. We're talking about that now, but uh, I'm trying not to get the cart before the horse Um it's really, really hard to do a TV show and to, yeah. to have it be good. And, and uh, so I got plenty to work on now. But, but yeah, I, th- I think if, if, if God calls me to be telling Bible stories the rest of my life, I could do a lot worse. So yeah. <laughs> we'd love to tell those stories. Yeah. The Apostle Paul, uh, obviously one of the greatest stories in the history of humanity, uh, p- potentially just second only to Jesus in terms of the impact he had on the world. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Uh, and if you want to talk about a, a great uh, conversion d- conversion story a drama i mean you know there's no better drama oh, than yeah. death to life than blindness to sight than than killing to to being killed for the same cause yeah. it's something so yeah. i'd love to tell that story but uh, yeah. but i got we'll I, I gotta figure this out first thank you for what you've done with nicodemus too yeah i love that character yeah and kind of quickly mentioned in the bible but you've really made him um real yeah, what a, what a great actor too, Eric oh. who plays him in that, that uh, season one. He's just he's astonishing. But but yeah, I think it is also one of the reasons we chose him as a main character was um, 
kind of the double agent that Nicodemus clearly was in Scripture. And this is this goes to an important point you mentioned. He's briefly mentioned in Scripture. This, if you want to know, like, how does the how does the chosen get made? You you can look at Nicodemus because we look at what's mentioned in Scripture and then we work our way backwards and we and we build around that. So we see him first meeting Jesus in secret. Uh, asking him all these questions, clearly believing that Jesus is the Son of God, but not knowing what to do with it, not fully understanding it, but saying, look, I've seen it, the miracles, you clearly are from God. But he can't admit it publicly because he's a Pharisee and he's part of this group of people who actually are opposing Jesus, so he meets with Jesus under cover of night. The next time we see him is when Jesus is being discussed by the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, and they're going, what do we do with this guy? I think we need to kill him. And Nicodemus kind of goes, hey, maybe we should consider giving him a fair trial like we normally do, you know? Like, he doesn't come out and say, hey, Correct. I've met him. He's the son of God. I've seen the miracles. He's like, hey, would you consider uh, yeah. uh, just a fair trial? How about that? Still not willing to come out of the shadows. Uh -huh. Jesus dies. And then what? Nicodemus then, I believe, uh, almost like a guilt offering, contributes tens of thousands of dollars worth of perfumes and spices, helps bury the body. Now there's no being in the closet about this. Mm -hmm. And I believe you can, the, 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 the secret is in John chapter three, John chapter three, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and mentions Moses. And that during the time of Moses, we actually portrayed this moment in, in, as a flashback in the episode that, uh, that people, the Israelites were dying of serpent bites. Mm -hmm. And God had Moses fashion a pole that was shaped like a cross, actually. That's mm -hmm. how you, when you read it in the, in the Hebrew. And he lifts it up, and all you have to do is look at it, and you're saved from the serpent bites, and you're healed. He told that to Nicodemus. So you can imagine when Nicodemus is at the crucifixion and seeing Jesus up on a, on a cross and providing the redemption that he had told Nicodemus he was going to provide, that Nicodemus went, oh, Moses, he's the new Moses. He's better than, he's, he's above. Mm, new covenant. The new covenant. And it, like, so the opportunity to kind of portray that, we can do that and actually stay very true to scripture. This is not, this is not, doesn't take a whole lot of artistic imagination to go, John chapter three, later in the book, he shows up again and he's completely committed to Jesus, mm -hmm. not hiding it anymore. That's a fascinating storyline mm -hmm. to portray and very, I believe, relatable to us today uh, because there's plenty of people who are religious and who are practicing something and who really don't truly know Jesus. And I think that's, those are the ones who can identify with Nicodemus. Thank you for everything you've done. Oh, thank you for, for having me. I, I, uh, I've, I've loved, I've, I've chatted with you about this a few years ago, right when The Chosen was first coming, and you seem to be kind of in on it pretty quickly. Like, I yeah. think you, I think you seem to, to sense I was, something, yeah. was, something yeah, was brewing. Was, yeah, there's um, very few filmmakers um, that could uh, say, I'm going to make the Jesus story that had the credibility that you had. Hmm. I mean, I just, hmm. it's That's very kind. beautiful. It's just beautiful. Well, honestly, I mean, it's very kind of you to say, but it's also, uh, I think some of that credibility may come from uh, abject surrender. I mean, I, 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 oh. I, 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 I am, I may, if I, any credibility I have is because I believe I'm, uh, the only credibility I have comes from, from him, you know, so it's a. Uh, Billy Graham told me once, 
everything I've done that was great or worthy, it was all his work. Every mistake, all mine. All mine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 